Good news, everyone. Good news. Finally. At last. A little bit of light. I've been waiting. I've been pinning the last few months on just like the hope there would be some good news. So this is better be good. I've been I've been waiting for this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you'll all benefit too because I always said if I reached this point, I'd take care of my own and then retire. Oh yeah, last podquisition ever, by the way. Um, <laughs> I get to re- I get to retire now, and I'll I'll be giving you a bit of money with my new Ooh. millions. Ooh. Oh, I saw this good news. I saw your good news. Yes, I saw that you're a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. If I were a rich man, I think that's how that song goes. If I had all of the millions that Google says. <laughs> if I, it's... It's not even Google, it's just some website. It's some website that Google stuck at the top of some rankings. Yeah, yeah. I, f- I found out this week that I <laughs> am a millionaire. You have a net worth, <laughs> an estimated net worth of a million dollars. Which makes me an actual millionaire. Now, hang on. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We may have to reevaluate a whole lot of things that we've been saying over the past year or two about <laughs> class distinction. Well, that's the point. <laughs> because when I made a crack on Twitter about eating the rich, someone suggested that I should be eaten <laughs> because I am a millionaire. Now, there's a couple of issues here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. no, I, I don't want to hear about the issues. No, you're a millionaire, Jim. And uh, as, as it says in our contract for this show, if one of us goes over a million dollars in net worth... You've got to get kicked off the show. You're too rich for us now. Here's the thing, right? First of all, don't eat me if you want to stick to a diet. So I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it. Second of all, let, there's an obvious distinction between net worth and the amount of ready money you have. Now, some people try and... Mm, liquidity. Yeah, some people try and use that to have a go at me when I bring up like Bobby Kotick's net worth of $7 billion. No, if you've got $7 billion in net worth... You're a billionaire, because that's way more than a billion net worth. That's like having a net, an estimated net worth of one million dollars. It's very similar. I mean, it's, very it's really only a difference of seven thousand times. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's that close. Like sometimes when I see like uh, uh, like horses racing, and a horse comes last. People want to shoot the horse, put it down, turn it into glue. And I say, no, 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 you didn't think. That horse probably won a, a race 70,000 miles away. <laughs> you never know. It's all about perspective. Anyway, right? Don't eat me. You will not get through me and most of it will go rotten. You'll have to throw it out. And that just contributes to the wastefulness of capitalism. So you would be a very bad Marxist, a bad social Marxist. So... The other issue I want to make is I've been totting up in my head for days now since someone tried to hit me with this gotcha of we should eat you because you're a millionaire. Knowing what net worth is, I'm trying to think of all the assets I have and all the assets I could access and liquidize and and sell off. I can't even get close to half a mil off that. Not even close. I mean, you know, I don't know your finances intimately, but uh, when I read that, I, I... I did actually laugh aloud. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it's it not gets that you, you don't You don't have assets, but a million dollars worth of assets? Hmm. The initial accusation is the shot, but I've got a chaser for you, don't you worry. I still want to linger on this a little bit, though, because it is a juicy morsel. Um, 
Like, I'm trying to think, I could sell the Jimquisition. As a brand. But how much is that worth realistically? Well, and if you sell it and you don't come along with it, it's worthless. Yeah. Well, I'll see, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you 50 quid for it today. I'll just slide it over the table. You know, there's, there's your starting offer. Right, so... So 50 quid for the gym position, but that would also have to come with indentured servitude. Right. Which would be a sort of child star situation where I've got all this money, but no freedom whatsoever. And really, does that make me a rich man? Not rich of heart, my friends. Not rich of heart. Although you you are describing the Silicon Valley startup business model. Yeah. Of... I'm going to have this big entrepreneurial thing only to eventually put myself in a indentured servitude, then bail with the money. Right. Well, I'm actually going to put all the yeah. people I hired into indentured servitude if I'm really thinking about... Wow, rich people are fucking... You're terrible, Jim. You're yeah, awful. My yeah. God. Yeah. And the, the worst part is is you don't even know how much more rich I've become. <laughs> I told oh, no. you, I gave you the shot. Now, now here's the chaser, because when someone pointed out that even if they took the most generous estimate of my revenue from, from Patreon, said all of it went to me and I paid no tax, it's still nowhere even close before we, you know, factor in the relative worth of everything that I could have or sell. Yeah. And when they said that, that there's no way we could even prove he, he's a millionaire or, or what he has couldn't reach that goal... <laughs> They replied with, we don't know how much money he makes from wrestling. Now, we don't know how much money I make from wrestling. Conrad could give you a ballpark of how much I've lost. <laughs> Not only can I give you a ballpark on how much, I could probably give you a ballpark on how much you, like, brought in, in revenue, you know, before you factor in expenses. I have watched you lose four, maybe five times on one trip what you earned. Yeah. That's... <laughs> There's, like, bear in mind, there are WWE performers who make less than my Patreon oh, yeah. like, brings in. For the business. If there's one industry that, more so even than video game criticism that you don't get into for the money, I get the impression wrestling's one of them. Yeah, wrestling has one billionaire. <laughs> and he worked very hard to make sure he would be the one billionaire <laughs> and the only one. He, you know, has all the wrestlers on contractors as independent performers and doesn't give them health care and they have to sort out their own travel and those are the best paid people in this and those industry. are the best paid i'm on the indie circuit and not even the popular mainstream indie circuit right you're not on nxt or something you know <laughs> yeah like I'm, I'm 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 not like ring of honor even i was about to be like chikara level but pfft. so like i'm 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 in respected promotions don't get me wrong but i'm not making money <laughs> see i i think i know the secret of how you've made your millions it's it's not the patreon and it's not the wrestling it's all that money you're getting slid over to the the table to you to do positive reviews by all the big companies because they all like your positive well, reviews so much they're just handing you tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars a time to talk about the games i mean need i remind us of the time i was emailed by someone accusing me of being paid off by ubisoft <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, Ubisoft. Needs I remind you of that time? Don't don't worry. By the end of this episode, no one's going to be accusing anyone of that. Oh, no one will be under any illusion. Uh, so hang on. Wait, Ubisoft, is that is that the company that's currently facing an unbelievable uh, number of abuse allegations against workers by management? Indeed, the company that's facing all of those allegations, yet suspiciously, when they said, ah, oh, we're having a big like celebration of games that tens of thousands of people are going to watch, but we couldn't possibly wedge in a two-minute thing addressing those allegations because it's pre-recorded and video editing doesn't exist. And they suspiciously didn't tag that tweet with the hashtag of the show because they don't want people to see the thing that says that there are allegations they're not going to address. Well, now, hang on. I think we're missing the real story here. Like, we got all wrapped up in all of this abuse and all of that. But let's think back and reflect. Ubisoft's been around a very, very long time as a company, right? Yeah, like, yeah. 30 years of producing content, and they have never once used editing. Think about that. That's staggering. Never, never. See, this is how you can explain all of those uh, gameplay reveal trailers like that Assassin's Creed Valhalla one that they were like, hey, hey, gameplay reveal trailer. It wasn't an edited cutscene trailer. That's what the game looked like at that stage of development. It was jumping about all over the place because they can build a thing that jumps all over the place, but they can't edit stuff. <laughs> Folks, got to stop the pair of you. Yeah. As as the businessman and as someone who wants to keep his millions. Oh, of course, of course. I have to make sure that we do not get into any legal hot water here. So let's scale back. Let's not be so accusatory. And I'm not saying that Ubisoft is comparable in any way to the Catholic Church. <laughs> but when it comes to moving abusers around, yeah, they've got a similar game plan. Because Ubisoft, it turns out, harbors and covers for abusers. Yeah. Sexual abusers. Like let's let's not make any like 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 put any clouds over this. No. Rapists. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. One man's been in charge of that company for 33 years, and apparently the first he's heard about this is last fucking week. Yeah. Um, it, it's a weird world in which apparently I had heard more rumblings about, you know, shit going on at that company than the head of the company. Yeah. I would think he would know more about his company than I would. Now, I like, a few weeks ago when I first started talking about this... What, about the abuse? The abuse allegations that Ubisoft doesn't want to talk about? About the abuse allegations at Ubisoft, and indeed, you know, throughout the Twitch community and throughout the Smash Brothers community, like the competitive community yeah. and the game industry overall. And the entertainment industry writ large. Let's not stop. And the comics industry, wrestling, of course, um, like, like just everything for fuck's sake. And I was really sad and it came through, I think, like, like literally like, like on the verge of tears stuff. Yeah. Um, it was very difficult to do content those weeks, especially talking about that with all of the other stuff I was dealing with in my personal life. And now I'm just really, really angry. Mm -hmm. Welcome. Yeah. It's great to have you here with us. I was very angry. A lot of 2020 kicked the shit out of me, made me just sad for months. Yeah. And now I'm very angry again, probably angrier than I've ever been. I mean, I've got to really like, like point out People have been sending me messages lately, especially after this last Jimquisition, um, which was um, very animated and, and very comical in slant, but ended with a very genuinely furious um, near loss of composure, which doesn't happen to me when it comes to anger on camera. It's always, you know, comedy. I'm not actually a shouty YouTuber. People lump me in with that. But I'm animated and boisterous, but I don't scream. Um, but I came 
fucking close. I was going somewhere. Yes, that's it. People have sent me messages asking if I'm okay because everything's been so dark and obviously I've gone through some some stuff with, with getting mental health diagnosis and all that. I'm fine in that even though it's really sad and disappointing that I have, I've never been more disillusioned with the video game industry. Mm. And that's right. I still had some faith a glimmer somewhere. Basically, there was still somewhere lower that my esteem for the mainstream game industry could go. And it's there now. There might be somewhere under there. Who knows? We're in the fucking subterranean caves now. Oh, I guarantee there is lower we could go. I mean, well, I've said for years, like, what? eventually when, when sunlight is all over this industry's underbelly, there's going to be some horrible fucking skeletons. At any point, I am now at the point where I don't give a fuck about any of it. Yeah. I'm tired of the same discussions. I'm tired of me bashing my head against a wall as I try and advance the discussions on various practices in the game industry. And the people who I'm refuting, don't, they don't watch my show, they don't give a fuck. Yeah. And they just make the same arguments for years now. I've been bashing my head against a fucking wall for years and people say to me, you should um why why don't you like like evolve the topic and i'm like i'd love to no one's giving me anything i've made my case and they're still making the same case so i keep having to make mine and i'm just so tired of it and and someone brought up that i dismiss the games as art debate because i've been doing this job since 2006 <laughs> and that debate yeah. hasn't changed and games as a medium hasn't moved forward since then right mm. it, it, again as far as mainstream goes it hasn't moved forward. We're still having the same discussions that we had about Heavy Rain, that we're having about The Last of Us Part 2. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of, of the review debate of it's they should be objective. No, it's personal opinion. I've, I've heard it since 2006, and I've been pulling punches still until this year, but I don't fucking care anymore. I've got a couple bridges left in the so-called AAA video game industry. I've already thrown torches on a couple of them. There's no... I don't care. It, I care so little. I've got so little fucking regard anymore for the bridges I'm burning or any fucking harassment mobs I might invite on myself anymore. I'm just very angry. Yeah. And while that may sound like, as a response to, are you okay?, like I'm not okay. It's one of the most freeing things in the world. Conrad can tell you how genuinely angry I've been off camera. He comes around to watch AEW at a distance. We're observing social distancing. We are. He's, he's seen how fucking, like last week, I couldn't stop fucking yelling at him. We couldn't watch the show. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> you were seething. Like seething is the word I would use to describe. Even when you weren't yelling, which was... Admittedly, most of the time I was there, <laughs> there was this hum, just like you, you, I could have watched you vibrate with, with rage. Cause, and understandably, like, you're just exhausted, I think, by all of this at this point. And I don't blame you because you have been begging on about the same things for years and years. That's, that's not a criticism that I think, like, some people view that as, oh, Jim never says anything different. He always goes back to the same five topics. But the fact of the matter is, is that they're still the most important things happening. Yeah. And nothing's changing. Yeah. I, yeah. I, it's like I said last, on the last Jimquisition, people have said they'd love for me to just focus on games. So would I. So would everyone yeah. in the industry shat all over and abused and harassed out of, out of the medium. You know? Agreed. 
I, I, I can't advance the conversation. I, I, I have, when it comes to the same arguments we see all the time about optional microtransactions and cosmetics and game prices mm. and, and crunch and everything, I advance the conversation. I will allow myself that level of arrogance. Mm-hmm. And rather than meet that advancement and raise the game, the same people who go to bat for the industry time and time again, the same pundits, the same mouthpieces, the same corporate thralls, still make the arguments that I refuted years ago. So I've got no, there's nowhere left on the ladder to climb for this. Yeah. So I'm just going to perch at the top, eat a fucking sandwich and yell at the birds. And it's going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) Also, side note, before we completely move past the shouting at Ubisoft thing, a thing I think is really important for us to point out that I've seen a lot of um, uh, miscommunication about or misunderstandings about. Ubisoft did not fire executives this week. Oh, no. Um, They did not fire anyone. The scandal did not claim anyone. Oh, God, yeah. The whole, like, oh, woe is them. They were claimed by the scandal. No. Several people who there were serious allegations about that those allegations are of a legal nature were allowed to just go, you know what? Okay, I will optionally choose to resign. And because they're resigning and not getting fired. They were given the dignity of resignation. Yeah. They're given the dignity of resignation, and I don't doubt that that probably comes with some amount of leaving money that wouldn't be there if they were fired, and they don't have to admit they were fired for doing something wrong. They get to just walk away, and Ubisoft gets to go, look, they're gone! It's all fixed now, right? Well, everybody wins! That's justice served! (sighs) Oh, oh wait. I can't describe how vile Ubisoft is. Yeah. You have to go and see the allegations and you have to know, like, just how... You've got to appreciate just how long this has gone on. Yeah. And I speak as someone, like, I, you know, I've, I've, I've said, like, friends of mine have been hurt by Ubisoft's bullshit. Yeah. And even knowing, like, certain situations, nothing prepares you for when the book's opened on this and you just see, like, a stick of rock, like, like just how embedded that core is and they fucking mm. yeah like i'd heard things over the years that you know not my stories to tell and what i'd heard was bad enough and then turns out that like oh that was barely scratching the fucking iceberg of how much there was to surface yeah and then ubisoft spent this weekend after allowing very horrible abusive men to resign they then spent the weekend burying those abuse allegations and that whole story in marketing and marketing and marketing. Yeah. And made sure that when they announced that they weren't going to, they weren't even going to do the bare minimum non-apology that Blizzard shat out over a less serious issue. They weren't going to stick Eve's Guillermo in front of a webcam for 30 seconds to go, we're aware of the fact that there were allegations, we're taking them very seriously, today's about the games, but we're not overlooking the fact those allegations exist. Anyway, here's the games. They couldn't even do that. They couldn't even give us a bargain basement brack. They couldn't even do that because they didn't want the two... They didn't want to cross the streams on this story. That, that's what it comes down to. And hats mm-hmm. off to Polygon, at least, yeah. for in a lot of their yeah. previews and coverage of, of the Uberford event, did make sure to whack a paragraph in yeah. most of the stories. So hats off to them 
Some press didn't. I was so pissed off with it. That you were fucking killing it. You were great. I, I was sat on Twitter and basically every time they mentioned, I was doing the tweet thread that I usually do for these conferences, being like, here's the news, here's a screenshot. Every time they moved on to a new game, I was like, oh, just a reminder, everyone. There's a bunch of allegations they're not fucking talking yeah. about tonight. Just reminding you that. But the news is here, but you're going to get reminded. They didn't use the Uberford hashtag on that one post they made about it. And that just laid bare what this was all about. Yeah. Yeah, of course, because they don't they yeah. don't want people searching for the, the video game event to see the thing where they yeah. say we're not going to talk about the allegations. It's basically what Blizzard did about the Blitzchung thing at BlizzCon, but at the very least they made a vague non-apology at the beginning that you'd have to Google about if you didn't know. Yeah. Ubisoft didn't even do that. I can't even call what Blizzard did the bare minimum. It's still sub-minimum, and Ubisoft was sub-sub that. But Jim, Jim... You can't edit a pre-edited video. It's pre-edited. The whole thing with it, they don't want to raise awareness of these issues in their company. They would rather as few people possible knew. Well, they've done a cost-benefit analysis, and they've decided that, you know, not enough people know about this in the broad public sense to where we are going to inform less people of this problem than we are going to pander towards in making some bullshit apology. Exactly. You only have to look at the responses on social media from their fans. They don't know about this. Or no. anyone who does, anyone who brings it up and asks about it is quickly shouted down by others who want to help Ubisoft bury this within the sort of community and discussion. Um, hey, I just want to focus on the fun. Yeah, and I mean, you know. I just want to have fun. Why are you all being such buzzkills? Noble fucking cull. If you want to just have fun, have fun. Don't shout down others who are bringing up very important issues and don't allow Ubisoft to create this this wonderful little separation for themselves of their product and their behaviour. Because... Neither of those two things happen in individual fucking bubbles. It's all one and the same. Just know what it is you're getting into. Yeah. That's it. Yes, that's that's the whole thing. I like I I have been people have been talking to me uh to a certain extent about like okay, well, I still want to play these games. Is there a way that I can do that without, you know, supporting Ubisoft and supporting the system? And the shorter answer the short answer is no. Like, there really isn't. Mm. Now, I'm not here to judge people about where they spend their entertainment dollars, how they entertain themselves. That's a personal choice. You make that for yourself. However, I do think it is important for people to know this, for Mm -hmm. them to not be ignorant of the fact. To not forget it. Yeah, don't forget it. Yeah. Like, have that in your mind, that that's there, that you are, you know... you're, you are contributing. You, I, you could feel bad about that or not feel about it. Just know it. That's all. Well, the, the, the thing is, is it's that whole thing. There's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Correct. Except to eat me, the million. <laughs> and I could, I could lay out for you the dozens of tiny, tiny ways that any form of engagement with this product helps Ubisoft. I could do it. We could spend an hour on it, and we're not going to do it. You can just take my word for it. Oh, people do it to me all the time. Like, just talking about the issues, people tell me when you're just giving them brand awareness. It's like, there's no way you can actually win any of this. You've just got to find the best way you can. And I'm not here to make anyone feel guilty. Right. The video I did this week about, like, that was titled something along the lines of, like, shut up and don't think and just enjoy fun video games i wasn't telling anyone to feel bad for liking something or for having fun with video games what i'm saying is 
Don't get in my fucking way. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Don't tell me to shut up. Don't try and shout me down. Don't try and help Ubisoft bury its bullshit. That's all. It's, it's one of those things that so many companies in all facets of capitalism have shitty things to do with them and it is impossible to completely avoid engaging with any company that has any shittiness attached to it the thing you need to do is be aware of what's gone on and make your own decisions and sure sometimes you are gonna you are gonna come to the answer like we all do of yeah i know that that company's a bit shit but I'm going to engage with them at this moment anyway, and I'm going to do so knowing the problems with that and being informed. Like, that's that's the thing, is know the impact of the choices you're making and be just be aware of what's happening. Don't go in blind to the bullshit. And, one, you know, one thing worth pointing out is just, like, just how deep the rot is at Ubisoft. Like, yeah. this is more than your regular shitty corporate stuff. Yeah. Like, the, something's deeply wrong. And that their behavior right now shows me that they're not that remorseful. It's all a show. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just... Look, I'm sorry this podcast isn't, like, Tots TV every week. And I don't say that to diminish people who want fun and enjoyment and escapism. If this podcast was Tots T fucking V, oh I would God. be so happy. Yeah. I would love an industry where every week we could come and have the happy, silly show, but some weeks that's not what the industry is. I'm a tot, just we on top, Tilly, Tom and Tiny. We're the tots from Tots TV. One, one two, two, three. three. <laughs> I tried to say one, two, three and un de trois because there are different parts of the song that do that. And so I just went, it's worth There are indeed. But anyway, Tots <laughs> TV was a show about puppets that looks a bit like cabbage patch dolls and they had a donkey the donkey was real and alive and they stroke it go lovely donkey so that's tots tv that's what i would rather this show be and i'm sorry that the topics at the gym position have been so heavy lately it sucks hey hey do you want to talk about a topic that's not ubisoft but is probably going to be equally um not a happy topic oh can we (laughs) ah so i've I've started playing, well, I, I say started playing. I've played all of Deadly Premonition 2 over the course of three days. Mm, oh. right. It's a bumpy ride. I, I, I tried. Yep. Uh, Laura was kind enough to provide me with a code that she'd received to play Deadly Premonition so I wouldn't have to buy it. I, I Yeah, I hooked him up with one he didn't have to pay for. And I am not yet, I haven't managed to play because I am, um, I'm apparently becoming a good video games man who, uh, ignores the issues to be distracted by the (laughs) big open world stuff and unlocking, uh, fast travel locations and fighting squirrels. It's all about that gameplay loop. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, I haven't, in the, like, the... 36 hours I've had the game, I haven't really been able to get to the problematic shit yet, but... Here's, here's the thing. We're, I'm aware that by the time we record this, Swery's uh, Twitter apology has mm-hmm. gone up, and we will get to that in a bit. I, I want to make clear up front that, like, I'm everything I say here is in the knowledge of that apology that we'll address at the end. But, um, yeah, so that game runs like dog shit, huh? Oh, God. It, it really, like, it's not, oh, that's a bit rough around the edges, oh, deadly premonition. Like, it's... 
painful in places, and the loading screens as well. But there's one point where I had a minute-long black loading screen and I thought the game had crashed. Oh, yeah, I mean, it makes the ones in Anthem look swift. Yeah. Positively swift pre-patch. If I'm honest here, and I'm always going to be this person when this discussion comes up of frame rate and chugging shit. Yes, it's bad. I am not bothered by that so much as I am other aspects of this design. Well, no. Well, yeah, there are other problems. But it's it's the most upfront one, and it was the one I it, it was the one that made me feel like I was swimming through treacle to enjoy it. But it doesn't bug me that much, weirdly. You might have not got to the bit where it bugged me because it didn't bug me too much until I was in a situation where I was outside. At night, so the sort of red fog was mm-hmm. happening, I was being attacked by a lot of creatures that I had to fight because it was a plot mission, mm. uh, and lots of them spawned in. And I had like a five or six second section where it was maybe three frames a second and oh. I was trying to fight stuff, and it's just fucking jerking all over the place. Like, those are the points where it became unplayable, where it's like, I'm trying to aim at a creature that's coming at me, and I'm... I'm st- Skipping huge chunks because the game isn't loading. It adds lag to so much stuff. Like I've I've struggled mm-hmm. to get on and off. Like have you get on and off the skateboard? Yeah. Because I'm hitting the button, but it's just not responding. And like you say, yeah, aiming can be real difficult. Doing things like the stone skipping mini game. Like I've had frame skip and cost me those. Yeah. Like I don't mind the frame rate when it's just I'm. You know, it's kind of bad, but I don't mind it too much when I'm just skating around town. It's when I'm having to do something where I have to react very quickly. Yeah. And the frame rate has gone to its worst that it is like, that's not acceptable. It's actively working against you, yeah. And people have seen the, the video yeah. that I've put up, like the video footage I've shown. That's the frame rate at some of its best. God, yeah, same. Like, I've played it so much worse than where it's just like consistently stuttering. As Laura said, like, like, sub maybe sub maybe even five frames a second yeah like a series of still images yeah i i I was looking at my my footage capture software i was getting multiple seconds of three frames a second it goes so far beyond ha ha shitty game but you know shitty but charming game yeah and we also must remember like sometimes it's I think sometimes it's cogent, sometimes it's not, um, or pertinent, I should say, to bring up price. Mm. But one of the things that was so impressive about the first game, the first Daddy Premonition, was that it was a $20 game at a time when the $20 budget game was all puerile, vapid shit. And that Mm. was part of what made it incredible. The sequel comes with an inflated price, and as a sequel to a cult hit that has raised its price to go along with its brand awareness... I feel like expectations across the board should go up with that. Yeah. And they didn't. Oh, there's so many frustrating things about it. Like, I know, I understand why the uh, Hoongan imitation voice that York uses in this is so irritating. I can pinpoint precisely why on a technical level it's a problem. Like, I mean, it's a problem generally and i've so far i've only heard it once it gets more common as it goes i'm i'm sure it does that's one of the problems with this game is it never stops yeah and i'm thinking to myself oh yeah that is unfortunate i'm not going to look forward to hearing more of that and then i thought about how this game delivers this dialogue and comparing it to deadly premonition one which i've been replaying uh recently on my stream because i was so bummed out uh, that Deadly Premonition 2 wasn't good, that I'm trying to be 
positive. And the difference is in these dialogue things when you're traveling through the open world is that in Deadly Premonition, you're opting in. Mm, yes. To a dialogue. It prompts you if you want to have a con- if if you want York to have a conversation with Zack. And if you don't, you leave it alone and it goes away eventually. And he might hum a yeah. little bit, you know, and it might be nothing. It might be some long thing, but you opting in. And the second thing is, is that if it's a longer segment and not some, you know, some plot relevant or character relevant deep thing, it only comes up once. Yes. He does talk a lot. So much of the dialogue in this is repeated ad nauseum. It's like he has nine sentences he can say and he just repeats them the whole game. It would be fine if he only had nine things to say and four of them were these long things and the other five were him whistling or humming or, hey, Zach, just saying hi. The thing is, between him between him on the skateboard and what he says to Patty, he's got a lot of that incidental dialogue, but it is repeated not even so often, but also so frequently mm-hmm. yeah. that he, he runs through an otherwise impressive load of dialogue real yeah. fucking quick. If, if the game was less afraid to have quiet time and spread them out further, it would feel less repetitive. Yeah. Just, yeah, don't feel like the second he gets on the skateboard, you need to play a sound file. And I wouldn't mind, uh, if I'm frank, I wouldn't mind the opportunity to just sort of soak it in. And enjoy yeah. the environment and enjoy the music, which is, for me, one of the really high points so far. Yeah. Like, I'm loving all the music in this game. And it's constantly interrupted by York and me having to press the plus sign to bring up the menu. So he shuts the fuck up, which is the exact opposite of every interaction I should want to have with York. I was, I was hitting minus to bring the map up to do the exact same thing to just to get him to shut up. Oh, well, no, I'm doing, I'm doing it. The map, I'm hitting the map. I'm getting off the skateboard because I'm also continually forgetting which of the many buttons I could use to interrupt him is going to be the most efficient. It is bringing (laughs) up your your side missions, by the way. Ah, good thought. Right. Because it doesn't interrupt your, your gameplay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's no, it sucks. And then and then while we're on the top topic of the sound and skateboarding, oh. fuck your mix. Fuck your mix. That I like. No, that I'm that's deadly premonition. See, I I I liked that. The obscenely loud skateboard, I'm that's yeah. That was one of those things where I was like, okay, this is this is bad, but in a way I find kind of funny. The moment I was sold on that was when Justin walked past and said, Is he serious with that skateboard? <laughs> And then I laughed really loud. Oh, yeah, no, my my wife did the same fucking thing. She was like, I can't deal with this. And I was like, yeah, no, I can't either. My sound effects are now cranked down to 15% because she spends so much fucking time with the skateboard. And I've actually found it doesn't really make that much of a difference to all the other sound effects because everything, I guess, is just amped up way too loud in the sound effect department. But you only really notice the uh, skateboard because it's so constant. Oh. Uh, but like, here's the thing. I know we're, and I've, I've, I know we've been complaining, and I have more complaints to get oh to when we get to them. But like, there are moments where I love this game, yep. and I want to love this game. Um, like, I think that for all of its weird choices, like the fact that it takes an hour before you can fucking control the character, and yet that hour is so interesting and engaging. Yeah, I, I was super into weird future Zach Morgan and his like 
I'm just gonna get high and keep talking about my fairy while these shit investigators try and find out what's going on with me. I really liked when we first jumped back to 2005. I really liked the version of York we had there. His whole like breakfast with the bird that brings the worm to him. It's fucking great. There are moments in this I love and I think mechanically it does a lot to improve on problems with the first game. Like Mm -hmm. the combat infinitely better. The UI. I mean, you look at the stuff he took from D3. Yeah. And applied. I mean, it is so, you know, so much of this feels like a synthesis of design and mechanical elements from Deadly Premonition and D3. Four. Or is it D4? D4, I think. Dark dreams don't Don't die. die. Yeah. Yeah. D4. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it it definitely, it feels like a big step up in a lot of places. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sometimes the reticle for targeting turns red and you fire and it doesn't hit anything. Yeah, hmm. yeah, that's a bit weird. That's a bit strange. But I like that the squirrels can mug you. That's that's fun. The squirrels that was are good. A yeah, hilarious surprise hilarious. the first time it happened. And they're easy enough to catch that they rarely ever make off with anything. Yeah. So it's just a cute little thing. And, you know, things like an individual meter for the state of your clothes and your body odor. Like these things that don't, take away too much from the game experience but just remind you that there's this game's doing bullshit for no other reason than to amuse itself yeah those are the things i really like right are you are you ready to to let me wind up and let go on the trans thing we had some breathing room here where we got to say nice things yeah i'm 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 taking a little step back i'm even gonna take my blanket off for a bit so i can get (laughs) I'll get all settled in. No worries. Um, so I'm going to start, like, not with Deadly Premonition to itself, because, like, I've been doing some fucking reading this week, and I feel like it's important to sort of scroll back to the original Deadly Premonition for this. Um, so, Deadly Premonition 1, there is a character called Thomas who... I never, from the content in the game, ever read Thomas as being a trans woman character. Um, Thomas is only ever referred to as Thomas, only ever referred to with he, him pronouns... Um, only appears in feminine clothing when doing murders. And I had always read the character as being a crossdresser based on the content in the game. Now, it seems like in the time since The Missing came out, which we'll get to in a minute, big trans positive story made with trans consultants, it seems like Swery has decided to retcon Deadly Premonition 1 in interviews because The Missing was well-received. Uh, so if you look at, there, there is an interview on RelyOnHorror.com in which, uh, released just after The Missing had come out, and he talks about Thomas being a trans woman character. And for argument's sake, for discussing Deadly Premonition 2, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to say, sure, sweary, let's say that that was always your intention, that you always intended Thomas to be a trans woman character. I personally find that that makes me less appreciative of of Deadly Premonition 1, because a lot of the iffy, weird, uncomfortable stuff about Thomas's uh, presentation, which will get mirrored in Deadly Premonition 2, and we'll get to that, feels like repetitive use of of some gross tropes about trans people and the way that trans people are often presented in media. Yeah, like if you look at the two games, yeah, the the consistent thread throughout both of those, if we take what you say at face value about the first one, yeah, if, yeah, it's not a pretty picture. No, it's not, and and I think well, and and it's interesting because the interview, you know, and the sort of retconning yeah. that Swear is doing, this is relatively new to me. You've mentioned it to me in the last couple of days as you you know sort of been looking at this. Uh, it was it was late twenty eighteen, so it was about a year and a half ago, right? And you know. Again, as you state, it doesn't really state that in the text. 
right? If, if we're examining deadly premonition on the text. And so this feels very Dumbledore to me. What's happening here? Yeah, it's it is it is it is one hundred percent the Dumbledore was gay. We just never mentioned it in the books. And here's the thing: this annoys me in some ways more than the Dumbledore is gay thing because Dumbledore as a character wasn't actively perpetrating negative um, presentations of gay people. Right, like he wasn't a character that had harmful gay stereotypes that then got retconned to be gay. So yeah, then we go on to the missing. Which spoilers for the missing. Um, it, it's a it's a game about a trans character, and it's quite a respectful game. You know, it it is a game that at its core is about um, a trans person surviving suicide, and that's quite a heavy theme. And you know, there are arguments to be made for it's a a story about a trans person that fixates on trauma a little bit, and that's a fair criticism. But like, it is a game that had trans consultants working on it. It consistently gets pronouns and name usages and respecting the identity of the trans person completely nails. It got a lot of praise, from myself included, I think for good reason. Um, it clearly felt like it had been made with knowledge of, like inside knowledge of the trans community in mind. And that's a big part of why it succeeded. And again, I'm going to go back to that Rolan Horror interview because there's a there's a quote in it that's a bit concerning in hindsight. Swery's talking about uh, the missing. And uh, let me see if I can find the quote because I want to make sure I don't uh, misquote this one. So a bit of context. In the game, the main character, JJ, her mother is a hyper-religious fundamentalist Christian who tries to push her into conversion therapy, which is a horrible, horrible practice of basically making someone hate themselves until they stop being who they are. JJ's mother is one of the villains of the piece. She is, she never repents on her hatred of her daughter, and that is a big part of what pushes her to try and take her life. Now, to that, Swery says in this interview, I, I made sure that I always come back to this game's central message, that this title was made with the belief that no one is wrong for who they are. This message is true for the character of JJ's mother as well. She's not wrong for being who she is. Now, that is really concerning. It's not great reading someone say in an interview, hey, you're not wrong for thinking you should force your child into horrible experiences to make them not trans. Yeah, I will say I'd be interested to see whether he had a more nuanced opinion on on that, whether he draws a distinction between yeah. being wrong for who you are as a person and what you do as a person. Yeah, it... If if that's the case, it's I couldn't find any interviews where he has elaborated more on that, and maybe you know maybe there there is more to his belief than that. Yeah, I'm not like implying either way. I'm just it's such a that's such a blunt take, and yeah, and I'm I'm I'd, I'd be interested to hear him expand on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I I, th I think what it kind of reading through that kind of left me with this weird feeling that. The missing might have, well, probably was good in spite of Swery's level of understanding of trans people rather than because of it. Like, I very much get the feeling that there was a lot of heavy lifting done on the part of the consultants that worked on that game. Yeah. Would be my suspicion. I mean, I feel like, like, Swery wants to learn and wants to try, but. Yeah, you, you don't put, you don't put trans characters in three games in a decade. We, you know, unless you're trying? Yeah, but I think The Missing demonstrates something that's been true for, you know, since forever. If you want trans people in your work, if you want anyone on the LGBTQ spectrum in your work, if you want people of colour in your work, if you want to talk about someone else's experience, mm. pay them. 
Pay them, yeah. bring them on, ask them to tell you about their experience and help you tell a story about their experience. Exactly. And this is where we get to Deadly Premonition 2. So up front, Deadly Premonition 2, Swery did not work with trans consultants. And we'll come back to that in a minute. But um, yeah, the character of, of, of Lena in Deadly Premonition 2, a uh, whole, whole, whole bunch of uh, problems that... <sighs> Uh, hmm, how do I get into this? So, at its core, I think that Swery probably was trying to make a trans-positive uh, game and was trying to make York a character who did genuinely care for and support trans people. I think that the problems with this game are probably born out of ignorance rather than malice. However, let's get into what the, the problems actually are. So, as you said last week, dead naming and misgendering absolutely left, right, and centre. Um, the key example that like comes up right at the beginning is... Ten minutes after York's I'm I'm the only person who is good to trans people in a town full of bigots speech, he throws out Lena's dead name in a conversation, his first conversation face-to-face -face with her as a gotcha. It's, hey, I know this thing about you. Like, he throws it out to be like, you're being deceitful and this is the proof. It also has major vibes of... Well, you did a crime, so... Mm, taking away your name privileges for a minute here. Other than that, about 90% of the dead naming and misgendering issues in this game, I think, stem from one core misunderstanding, which is the idea that if you're talking about a trans character earlier in their life, this idea that you should refer to them by their birth name and birth pronouns, which is not correct. Um, the example I keep using is if I were to talk about my childhood, I could say the sentence... When Laura was at school, she had to play sport with all the boys. That sentence makes perfect sense with the knowledge that I'm transgender. You don't have to dead name me and misgender me to make that sentence work. Yeah. Um, and I think 90% of the problems with dead naming and misgendering in this game are, are based on that. That is not all of them. Uh, there are definitely some moments where York knows that Lena is out as trans at that moment in, in the narrative and still dead names and misgenders. Uh, there's one sentence in particular that's really fucking tasteless, where he he starts the sentence by saying she, stops himself mid-sentence, and corrects himself to misgender her. Like, that's not a slip-up. Someone wrote that sentence. Like, someone went, ah, ah, we've got it, we've got to make sure to correct to misgendering. That, that sucks. Beyond that, the problems are deeper. First of all, They've done the thing that gets done repeatedly, where they've cast a cisgender man to play a trans woman, doing the same voice he, he uses for every single cis male character he ever plays. If you look at the credits for this game, it lists Billy Kamets with an S at the end as the voice actor who does not seem to exist. I, I, am, I am very certain that it's Billy Kamets with a Z at the end uh, is who voices this character. I've done much digging, and it definitely seems to be the case. I don't know whether it's a spelling mistake or some attempt to obfuscate who played the character, but uh, that's a whole thing. I'm waiting for these fucking sirens outside to shut the fuck up so I can tell you that, you know, from what I heard of the performance as Lena and the voice actor's other work, they do sound the same. Yeah, and the, the thing that... The thing that's suspicious is this voice actor always on Twitter is very excitedly like, this thing I did a voice in is out. It's out now. No mention of this game. And I'm curious about that. But um, yeah, the... <laughs> inherently, there are some things with this character that I don't think are fixable, which is that if, again, we take at face value Swery's claim that Thomas in Deadly Premonition 1 is a trans woman, this is the second of three games where Swery has had a trans woman be the penultimate antagonist 
who is a ritual murderer of women, uh, who specifically goes out and, and kills innocent cis women. Um, that is that is the thing that, that they do. And also, and this is a weird one, both Thomas and Lena have um, obsession, like unsettling obsessions with their sister, with their biological siblings, uh, female siblings. Thomas, Thomas keeps wearing her sister's clothes when doing the killings, and Lena fucks and impregnates her sister, and... That's not a thing you accidentally do twice in a row. Like, I wonder if Swery has some kind of misconceptions about sister attraction and transness, and that's a thing that's concerning. But yeah, I've seen Swery's apology um, that came out four or five days after the after the game released, and I'm glad that he's apologised. I'm glad that he's not done the thing that so many people do where they're accused of transphobia and dig their heels in and go, no, like, he's... He's acknowledged that he's in the wrong, and he's pledged to make changes to the game, and I genuinely believe him when he says that, um, you know, this was intentionally never meant to hurt the community, he wants to make things better. I, I believe that. But I don't think that excuses this game releasing in this state, because the idea of ignorance of how to properly portray trans people as an excuse for the way this game launched has in my opinion, some holes in it. Firstly, this isn't the first time you've had trans people in your games. This is your third time in a decade. Like, by the third time you put a minority group that you're not in prominently in your games, you should probably have learnt a luff on the way to not make these mistakes. Two, if you still don't know those things, get trans consultants. You had trans consultants on the missing. Like, I can't ascribe someone's motive for not doing so again, but it feels like hubris from the outside. It feels like The Missing did really well and I got praised for my trans character. I don't need consultants back in, I know how to do it now. And again, maybe I'm way off the mark, but that is my gut feeling on it. And yeah, this trans character is recycling all of the things about Deadly Premonition 1's uh, apparently trans character that people complained about at the time. People had these, like, a lot of these same complaints about Thomas in Deadly Premonition 1. It's not like these complaints are new. Do you think it's possible, and I'm, and again, this is coming from a perspective of not having seen the content at all. Is it possible that Swery was seeking to fix the mistake that they made with Thomas in the first place by directly stating the character is trans in the first place, but then continuing on as though it's the same thing you'd always intended? I think that's entirely possible. It would explain a lot of the repeated themes in the character's presentation. I don't know. Uh, the The other thing here is, um, Swery has said in this apology that he plans to fix scenes in the game, and I want to say up front that I hope, I hope he can because I want to be able to recommend this game without caveats to people in the future. You know, th there are things in this game that are really fun that I really enjoyed, but I'm dubious how fixable this is. You can go through and change every instance of deadnaming misgendering. You can go through and change every instance where they refer to her as a brother or a son. There are some sentences you would have to cut entirely because they don't work if you don't do that. I highly doubt they're going to recast this trans woman to be played by a, a to be played by a trans woman i doubt we'll see that but more inherently even if you fix all those things this is still the second deadly premonition game that has had like the penultimate antagonist to be 
a murderous sister obsessed um ritual killer of women trans woman and like that's not great and here's a question here's a question that i have that you might you would definitely be able to give me some insight on because i get the sense that one option theoretically because everything is so mutable with what we do is to simply change the character to not be a trans character any longer however is that worse? I. It's a tough question to answer. Right. Um. I'll. I'll say this much. I don't think you can do that with this game, because several plot points hinge on the fact that this this character's trans. Do you mind a bit of spoilery chat here? No, no. I don't. Do you spoil anything? Spoil anything you like. Okay. So there's a whole reveal with this character where it's like, hey, we don't know who X's father is. And oops, it turns out it's the trans woman. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and that's that's a whole thing. But there are also parts of the character story that rely on her being out as female. Mm-hmm. So like it, the, the story does not work if she is a cis woman or if she's a trans woman, uh, or if she's a cis man. Yeah. I feel like you can only minimize mm-hmm. what's there. Yeah. You, you're not going to be able to, like, s- stop what's in there. You can only real shave the edges off of yeah. off of what's already in the... Yeah, yeah the, like, a big, a big part of the end of the mystery is, oh, it was this woman that had a penis and, and pre- impregnated the person. So it's Ace Ventura. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's... It's the uh, it rests on Einhorn's a man. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Way to go, Swery. Yeah. And and again, I don't doubt that this was out of lack of knowledge rather than malice. But so hard. It's I can't excuse that at this point. Yeah. Well, that's that's it. Like ignorance is not an excuse that you can use a decade into putting trans characters in your games. Uh, on a project that you opted not to have trans consultants on, you don't get to use the excuse of I didn't know. Because you know that going and asking trans people is this good or not is a thing that's open to you and you chose not to do it. And I think that's what frustrates me most, is you knew the option was there to go, hey trans people, is this okay? And you didn't, you waited until the game was out to go, oh, oh, trans people are upset. It's like, you could have asked us. You know. So yeah, I've, uh, I've a lot of feelings about this. Pay people. Yeah. That's what it always so, comes down to. Pay someone. There you go. Sorry that, that that went on a while there. Oh, no, you're all right. Yeah. On, on Friday, I have like, hopefully a 25 minute long video about this topic going up that's edited and has videos and all sorts of fancy visuals and me on the screen. So, Oh yeah, Justin let me know when he got the script. He walked in and looked at me and said, I just got Laura's script. And I said, I bet it's long. <laughs> yeah, you. usually I send scripts to Justin that end up like between eight and 12 minutes long. And I apologized in advance to him for this one. I was like... This one is 4,000 words, and I'm really sorry, but, like... There's a lot to unpack. Uh, there really is. Yeah, so on, on Friday, check out youtube.com slash because I fucking put some work into reporting on this, and it has been an emotionally fucking draining thing to work on. No doubt. Yeah, yeah, no, you, were, you weren't kidding, Jim. When you, yesterday, last week, when you were like, I'm worried that I'm overreacting about the trans... No, you weren't. Okay, yeah. It's real fucking bad. I, 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 I always doubt my own instincts on things, you know, especially when I... They do involve people whose experiences I can't talk about, you know, or speak to, I should say. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was... But, yeah, the the game's left to sour taste, and I don't think they can fully remove that taste, but I think they can they can try and pour some sugar on it and, and yeah. you know... 
And I, I hope that he can make this a lot less painful in that regard. And, you know, I, I, I think that there is a way to lessen some of the harm this game does. Yeah. And maybe going forward, he should just sort of just not with with this. Like he's had a couple goes. Like just move on to some different subject. Here's here's the thing that I I I, I I've come to at the end of this is like you've been doing this for multiple games over a long period of time now, swearing. You have basically three options: either do the reading and make the effort to learn about trans representation so you can avoid these mistakes on your own. Get trans people on each of your projects that has a trans character so that they can catch those mistakes, or stop putting trans characters in your games because you keep doing it in weirdly harmful ways when you don't have consultants to help you. So either do the reading, get consultants, or stop doing it. Yeah, and I mean, really, that applies to so many other creatives out there as well. Yeah. Just get... Get consultants... There, yeah, it's not hard to find a, a trans person to consult on a, a story with a trans character. It's not. It's really not that hard. That all said, there are moments where I enjoyed the game. Oh sure, <laughs> I know I'm being a real fucking downer on it, but like, yeah, yeah, I had I had a, I had a great time going on a quest around a hotel to try and turn my shower back on. Uh, going and getting a, getting drunk every day to find out oh what's the mysterious drink of the day. You know, there was some. Really lovely moments. Also, just side note, I find it really weird in this game that York does none of the detective work on his own. Literally every point of this investigation is Hoongan tells him where to go and he goes there. Yeah, I, I I would have liked to have seen some more investigation at the investigation. Yeah, like there is not a single plot point that he puts together himself. It's just Hoongan says, here's my mystical voodoo riddle. And then, like, you don't even have a chance to, like, decide for yourself which of the points on the map it will be. If you wait around for 30 seconds, York will just tell you that. <laughs> and with Hoongan holding his hand and telling him where to go, York then sidles off to do impressions behind his back. Ah, uh, I want to love this fucking shit game. <laughs> I mean, I said in a video today... Um, all, all of it comes from a place of love. It really does. Yeah, mm -hmm. there is a version of this game that could exist that I would love. And maybe one day it'll exist. And I still think it's a fascinating game. If nothing else, I have lots of thoughts about it. Yeah. It's not forgettable. I mean, it's certainly in one re in that one regard. It, it's certainly <laughs> followed up the first game in terms of just being something that can, not necessarily will be, but could be talked about for years. Yeah. Anyway, I've, I've eaten up a lot of this hour. Who else has played a video game this week they want to talk about? Well, I mean, did I play a video game or did I play the greatest marketing experience of this or any <laughs> lifetime? I ain't tried this yet. Ah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's an amusing use of half an hour. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it, it is a trailer delivery vehicle. Um, and... I, I so so for any we haven't mentioned yes, the name. Yes, <laughs> I haven't. I'm talking, of course, about Devolverland Expo, which was uh, announced as part of the Devolver Digital Direct 2020. Which, but, you know, before we even talk about the game, yeah, God bless Devolver Digital. Yeah, they continue to be very on the ball. God bless Don Thacker, <laughs> who oh. is charming and delightful and hardworking. He's been trying to get his game made for. Fucking ever. Can I can I just say my favorite thing about that whole uh, Devolver Direct, which was during the credits, 
there was three seconds of No More Heroes <laughs> 3, a game that has had no... This is the first time there's been unobscured video of that game, and it's three seconds in the outro of a Devolver pre presentation. For me... It's fucking great. For me, I mean, it's Nina's monologue at the end. God, yeah. Which literally... I'm not... I Because I am so emotionally repressed and despondent at the crushing weight of capitalism made me cry. I <laughs> wept. I wept as Nina wept. Right up until the fucking heel turn. Just in time to deliver. <laughs> and it, but that's the thing, like, the, the heel turn had to be coming, and it was the perfect build to that heel turn. Oh, I need to talk about one issue I have with the Devolver press conference, which, yeah, go by ahead. the way, blew Ubisoft out of the water because it didn't come from a company that had been systematically abusing and covering for abuse. Oh, 100%. For years. For years. Everyone talks about Nina Struthers. Yeah. I need to talk about Linda Masters. Mm. Yes. The antagonistic character that, uh, you know, has arisen in the past couple shows. Now, I'm not sure if I want to date her or be her, but I have some strange fascination with her, even though she represents everything I hate, <laughs> and I think that might be part of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she confuses me a lot, but she is also just... And uh, the performer is incredible. She's a presence. As, as a physical manifestation of mm. the, the AAA hype machine, she is just just arresting and, as I say, just very confusing. Yeah. Everyone involved in this this year hit it out the park. Particularly, particularly my my uncle who works at Nintendo. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I was really, I was a bit worried. Uh, this year because last year felt really messy and it wasn't that it was bad but I was starting to wonder was like okay that was very confusing cool I love Phantasm whatever but can you pull it together and they managed to do it and bless their hearts uh, yeah year on year they find the right way to continue that thing without making it repetitive they always tap into what's going on in the industry they don't necessarily yeah. make their whole show about it mm -hmm. but you know the year that cryptocurrency was huge they had a whole bitcoin spoof they parroted loot boxes one year like they're always tapped into well they're tapped into the sort of thing certainly the audience for this show cares about which is what makes them such a compelling show every year yeah so yeah uh should we talk about devolver land expo right, yeah. and the thing they they put out at the end of the, the thing for, right out the gate first off terribly optimized oh god yeah this is clearly like a uh it, it's built off of the engine of shadow warrior 3 and it's clearly like a weirdly like unoptimized vertical slice they threw together it is also composed largely of accumulated assets yeah so i don't fucking want to hear it about the laziness you know and how asset flips and other no you can do it right yeah you can you got to put the work in somebody put the work in it's called transformative work. Right. Friends. Okay. The, 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 the word transformative is the key aspect when it comes to pre-made assets. Yeah. Right. This is the rendering of the entrance to the North Hall of the Los Angeles Convention Center oh. is magical. They captured the feel of that space incredibly well. Like, even if it is not a one-for-one -one replication, it captures the 
energy of that place spot on. I have never in my life seen a virtual recreation of a space in a video game that so closely mimicked reality, what I know to be reality of that space. It was Mm -hmm. just amazing. And it's interesting, too, because it's been years since I've been there, and some things have changed, and I know those things have changed, like the security booth location. Yeah. But... Perfect. Pitch perfect. And I know that. So hats off to them for that. In terms of what it is, it's inventive first person running around environments, cool booths. Yeah. You know? they, they, they did a very good job of capturing like if Devolver had the money for one of those opulent E3 booths with the animatronics hanging off the ceiling, here's what we do for each game. And it is nice to see like okay, here's what you would do with that kind of weird budget and to sort of explore those spaces. The shooting felt responsive. I had a fun time with the boss fight at the end. It was fun to have and explore. It was it was a mechanically fun piece of marketing material. It'd be way fucking cheaper than going to any single E3 as well. God, yeah. Again, hats off to them for always finding interesting ways to deliver their product and their hype. and Because in that regard, they're not different from any other publisher. No. They just just have an acute level of self-awareness that helps the medicine go down. The thought that I had as I was watching the, you know, or as I was exiting the game was, okay, what happens next year? Is this now a platform? Mm. I'd, I'd be really up for that. Yeah. If just once a year it's like, hey, come and wander around our virtual space and see the gameplay tra- trailers we have. Like, these are the games we've got coming out this year. Have a wander around, have a look at them. I'd be fine with that. <laughs> yeah, I think I would be too. So I'm, I'm really interested to see if this is something that persists for them or if it's a one-off or even if other publishers take notice of it yeah. and start to come up with their own bespoke marketing experiences for us, at which point I will f- fucking hold Devolver responsible for what happens. Yeah, but this is this is the thing, though. Like, Devolver is always the first one that gets away with it because they're the one. Yeah. 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 So, it's fun. Um, it, it's not... You know, it's not something I think to go over the moon or get super excited about. It's a free game no. made pre-made assets that uses a vehicle to deliver trailers to you. However, lovingly crafted. Yeah. It's 30 minutes of this is really fascinating, and I'm glad I experienced it because I can't think of anything else like this. I think that's fair. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much... I mean, other than that, I just played um, a little more of Rad. I finally managed to finish my first loop, um, which felt good. And... Uh, nice. Yeah, but that's you know, uh, going to be a while yet. Uh, before we get to Jin's game that he's got, I will quickly... Oh, we don't matter. I don't care about playing video games anymore. Oh. That's, that's right, I've got one that I've... You're d- a millionaire. Yep. <laughs> um, in the vein of you finishing your loop of, of Rad, Conrad, mm-hmm. um, I had my first, like, multiple hours long Binding of Isaac run. Ooh. Um, so, you know when you beat the lamb? Yep. And it gives you the option to do a victory lap? Yep. I had my first one of those and got, like, five victory laps mm-hmm. deep. So, yeah, so for anyone who, like, short version... I, I kept beating certain tough bosses and going deeper and deeper into the game, and a certain tough boss, after I beat it, was like, do you want to restart the game? 
with most of your equipment that you just beat it with, and now you are, like, overpowered and you can go through it again, but each time you beat it, we're going to take away more of your stuff and more of your stuff, um, and it's going to get harder and harder. And it was a really interesting loop. I started as Azazel, because I only play Azazel now, apparently. Um, at some point, I got transformed into the Lost, but it was okay, because I had, like, I had the Nine Lives dead cat, and I had the Holy Mantle, so I was able to, you know, take a hit each room. I think, if I recall correctly, that's an inevitability of doing the victory laps. Okay. If you do it a certain amount of time, times, you have to do it as the lost. I think that unlocks something or gives you an achievement or something. Yeah, I think it's three I think it's three victory laps unlocks something and is also when you turn into the lost, but I managed to complete like one or two additional victory laps as the lost before they took away my holy mantle and I was fucked. Very nice. But yeah. I I I'm starting to see the depths of what this game has available. I've been I've finally been finding some of the other Bosses I hadn't seen before. Oh, there, yeah. There's a, a you have you could play it forever and still miss things. I think. Yeah, um, I just found a boss that's like a weird blob of white goo that transforms into all the other bosses. Oh, that's my favourite one conceptually and and like visually design wise. Yeah, I forget what it's called, but it's fantastic. That's delirium. Yes, yes, that's it. I, I fought that today and had a great time fighting it. So yeah, I'm finally starting to see like some new content, and that's been real fun. Anyway, Jim, what did you play this week? Well, oh, um, yeah, you. I played Bloodstained Curse of the Moon too. It's all right. Yeah, not a lot more I could say. You know, it's 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 like the first one. This is the not the the full on main Bloodstained game. They did that one that was a bit like an NES Castlevania game a couple of mm-hmm. years back. Yeah, the side scrolly eight bit one. This is another one of those. It's fine. It's it's not that mind blowing. Hmm. Uh, you 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 don't get to. I forget. I forget how to say his name. It's something... I think it's Zangetsu. Zangang... Gangnam Style now? Is what what I've... My mouth keeps trying to say, but... The guy David Hayter played, and a bunch of other characters that you switch through. It's fine. And I just played more Podracer until I got to a course last night that was full of turns that I can't do. And it's Anakin Skywalker's best track. Which means I have to listen to him go, Exhaust for brains! Every time he goes past me. <laughs> I fucking hate it. I have to listen to fucking episode one, fucking Anakin Skywalker, yelling at me, constantly calling me exhaust for brains. I don't even know what that means. And I'm not winning it, and now I've given up. Aww. That's literally all I did this week. Otherwise, I've just been sitting around watching Taskmaster, which... Conrad, I could highly recommend to you. Yeah, I uh, caught the you talking about it, and I brought up the playlist. I haven't started it yet, but uh, I'm keen to. It's there, there is some fun to be found in that, yeah. Other other than that, Ubisoft, one last thing I was going to throw in about Ubisoft, oh, is, that is company that do, won't stop. It, it, yeah. Uh, that won't address any of their allegations. Uh, that company, no, it's not to do with that. It's a different thing. But but you shouldn't forget that they're refusing to address allegations of sexual assault that have happened within the company. The new Assassin's Creed game is going to let you... It's got the pick if you want to play as the male or female character. It's going to let you swap back and forth as many times as you like, whenever you like in the game. That's positive. They're doing it because they're going back to having the Animus be a part of that game. And I'm like, fucking you don't need an ex- You don't need a bloody excuse. It's a video game. Let people choose what gender they want to be in the video game and don't lock them in. It's video games. You're allowed to do that. Okay, but I, I, I've always loved the conceit of the Animus, so... I, I do, know. but I'm also like... like 
you don't need that as the excuse to no. do it. Just generally in games, let people have that ability to re- remake their character when they want. I mean, it, you know, it does it does speak to the cowardice. Yeah. You know, that, that they, can, they don't want to alienate a certain audience by, you know. Yes, we can, on, we can only do it if it's under the context of, oh, we're learning in different player files into the Animus. Yeah. Yeah. Just remember, Ubisoft doesn't make political games. No, they don't. Nothing serious and nothing to do with their games ever coexist in the same plane of reality. Exactly. When when they used a Holocaust quote to open up their trailer for Watch Dogs Legion, that was not a political statement. Oh, that, that game that's set in a Brexit-style dystopian Britain? Yeah. That isn't political? Yeah. Yeah. Not a political statement. I've just got to say, right? <laughs> yeah. Ubisoft... Among all of the, you know, the the grotty, abusive scumbags that were allowed to resign, the one headline that stuck out to me well, that was the big shocker was Ubisoft's uh, most powerful creative force resigns. And that was the biggest surprise to me. I'm like, they had a creative force. <laughs> uh, if we're talking about headlines for a second, yeah. someone on Twitter, and that was actually their name, someone. Uh, so... <laughs> Good luck. Um, <laughs> they sent they they alerted me to an IGN headline that right. in, in, in the current climate is uh, I don't know if it's intentional or not. I mean, I'm sure the IGN.com article makes no mention of the rampant sexual abuse that's been alleged uh, to have gone on at Ubisoft for decades, but. This headline refers to the Assassin's Creed Valhalla's main character's gender not limiting their ability to romance characters in any way. Yeah. But the headline reads, No Restrictions on Romance Options. And I just want to point out that Ubisoft is making this game a company. I tell you what, though, I want to point out that... When it comes to Ubisoft's romance options, <laughs> when I criticised the romance options in the last one, in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I pointed yeah. out how fucking harassy they were. Uh-huh. Because that's fucking... I mean, that's a lot of video game fucking romance options, is you just badger someone until they have sex with you. Right. So no wonder so many gamers TM have a skewed idea of how sex works. But I don't want to play another... I mean, I don't want to play another Ubisoft game, full stop. Uh, I don't know how what I'm going to do when it comes to tackling their products or whether I'll just not bother, whether I'll blacklist them or not, or whether I will, but then just spend the whole video talking about the abuse allegations. I don't know. But even if I were inclined right now to want to play one, I do not want to play an Ubisoft game where my protagonist is going to once again sexually badger everyone at any opportunity or certainly be given the option to do so. If I were them, I'd. If I were them, I just wouldn't have fucking had Ubisoft this weekend. Mm. Let alone have Yves Giroud come out and tease another one for this year. Yeah. Fucking hell. Fucking hell. Game industry. Like Ubisoft is <sighs> maybe the most rotten apple in the barrel, but it's a rotten fucking barrel, by the way. Yeah. The entire establishment, the entire environment allows bullshit like what happens at Ubisoft to go on. So as well as fucking hell Ubisoft, and also just fuck you, Ubisoft, fucking game industry, fucking hell, all of it, and wrestling, and apparently comics. (sighs) Well, that's a... That's a light spot to end on. Yeah. That's all right. We, 
We ended as light as we started. I mean, <laughs> fucking hell. It's it's fine. We got 20 minutes of games chat at the end after our hour of having a shout. Uh, some of the shout was not bad. Yeah. We occasionally said nice things about Deadly Premonition. <laughs> I'm not doing this on purpose, listener. I'm really not doing it on purpose, no. listener. There's just some right now... Thing, there, there are things at the forefront that I just... You know, I'm thinking about certain aspects of this stuff 24 fucking 7. Yeah. As is my job, you know? Well, maybe not 24 7. That's, I should probably stop thinking about it a bit each day. Yeah, that's, that's just health right there. Yeah. Sleep is important. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean. Like, I'm just... I'm so fucked off. But I, I, I want to emphasize again, that doesn't come from a place of like, I need hugs and blankets and stuff. I'm fired up and I'm tired, but in a way that just motivates me to just, like I say, yell at the top of my ladder at the birds. Yeah, there's there is all, all sorts of other stuff I, I'd much rather talk about than this, but this has to not exist. Yeah. Well, of course. This, this has to be first. I mean, Deadly Premonition 2 has been a good example. There's so much more about that game I could talk about, yeah. but i got to get through the miasma of all the overwhelming shit that's in the way. Yeah. And who knows, a couple of weeks from now I might go, yeah, I feel like I've got that out of my system. Let's talk about some of the silly stuff that we didn't talk about now. Maybe that'll be a case in the future. Provided nothing else disastrous happens. Yeah. Well, that's what happens every time I say I'm going to do... When I do a Jimquisition and I mention that I'm going to talk about something the, the next week. <laughs> almost always that's blown out the water. There was one... A few weeks ago I said I was going to do one on... Um, Criticism of violence in games as its own standalone topic. That was weeks ago. I don't know if I'll ever get around to it. You know, I will say if you if if we want a week in which uh, we are not just guaranteed to be spitting misery, all Ubisoft has to do is not talk about their products for a week. Just don't give us a reason to talk about you. And your rampant sexual abuse culture that you're not addressing in an effective manner. Yeah. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. I mean, it's not a guarantee that we won't still talk about that. No, but, no, But no, I can't no, guarantee no. that if they have something to talk about, <laughs> that's the point of conversation I have. Should we, should we wrap up? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Laura... Um, where can people find more of your work? Laura K. Buzz in all the places. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. LauraKBuzz.com. Everything ends up there. Um, Twitch. I'm on Twitch Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays from 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Please on Friday go check out that uh, that video about um, Deadly Premonition 2 and just generally Swearies games and trans content because... That is a big, long video that I worked a lot on, and also Justin, who is editing this now. <laughs> Just, Justin, thank you for doing the edit on that. I recognise I gave you way too much work this week. Um, so make the fact that I gave Justin way too much stuff to edit worthwhile by all of you go click on that video, please. Um, other than that, I've got books. There is Uncomfortable Labels. It's about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum. It's out now where books are sold. There's Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which is coming out on February 4th, 2021, because COVID fucked up all the publishing schedules a bit. 
And there is Gender Euphoria, which is an anthology of non-cisgender people's just positive, affirming, lovely stories of nice thing experiences they had by being, by being non-cisgender people. This Saturday, if you check out the Trans Pride Brighton livestream that's happening on Saturday in the UK, a bunch of performances by trans people happening remotely in lieu of doing a physical Trans Pride event. I, I'm doing a little thing in there. I've got like a little seven minute slot in there, so it's quite near the start of the thing, so tune in for that. And I've got podcasts. Pixel Squirt, I talk about video game porn. Uh, Queer and Pleasant Strangers, I talk about things that aren't always video games. Um, and Dice Funk, where it's a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. They're all self-contained stories. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, and seven with Conrad. Oh, that's right. I am there. You can. I, I'm also on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman, and I'm on Twitch, uh, which has been really fun. And I hope you'll come. I'm, I am playing the original Deadly Premonition, so if you want to come, you know, have that experience with me, do that. But uh, also, uh, so a week from today, when we record this, uh, but Wednesday, July twenty second, mm. that's my fortieth birthday. And I, yeah. yeah, and I was, I don't, I've never been big on birthdays, but like, I guess at a decade point, I probably should do something. And I kind of planned to try and have a birthday party, but COVID. So I will probably be doing an extra long stream, um, next Wednesday, July 22nd at twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. Well, that depends how many birthday beers I get in you. Hey, oh, <laughs> well, that's the other thing. Sorry, I spoke over your promotion for your birthday. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> that's but, <yeah>. my present. <laughs> twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. I do plan to guilt trip these two into coming and hanging out for a bit, at least. No guilt tripping required. I keep saying I'm more than happy to come hang out with you. That sounds like a lovely time. So yeah, so we'll hang out. I don't know what we're doing, but come join us, and we'll just uh, hang out and have a good time. And it's generally a lovely chat that hangs out there. Anyway, uh, other things that are going on, you can buy anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com. You can buy audiobooks from me at conradreads.com. And Jim, you have a Patreon, don't you? Uh, yes, I do. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. And if you want to support the show, the Jimquisition and Podquisition and, and everything, feel free. You don't have to. You know, I'll find something else to do. If you don't want to pay for it, I'll find something else to do. Could <laughs> be a postman or something, I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll think of something. But I'm very grateful for the support, as always. Um, really appreciate it, especially in these uncertain times. So thank you so much. And... Thank you for all the good responses to videos like they've been real, real good. So I'm, I'm, I'm real happy with that. And, and thank you, even though I've had so many and I've not, not gotten back to many. And I'm, I'm sorry about that. But other than that, thank you, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Yeah, yeah that's good. <laughs>